We've got to make some big changes in here to create that winning culture. No, those are not my words. Those are the words of San Francisco Giants ace Logan Webb, spoken after his brilliant performance. Yet another dominant outing from Webb on Monday night against the San Diego Padres as the Giants won 2-1 to one in their final week of the regular season. Could be Logan Webb's last start, depending on whether the Giants want to throw him in Sunday's season finale against the Los Angeles Dodgers. That's an issue we will cover later on in this show. Welcome to another edition of the Carrie Crowley Show. Pleasure to be back here with you, where tonight, today, whenever you're listening to this podcast or watching the show on YouTube, we're going to be dissecting how dire the Giants' circumstances currently are, because this is a hot topic among Giants fans right now. As the season winds down, it pretty much always is. For every club that is not making the postseason, and I think even though the Giants still have the mathematic possibility of doing so at the time this podcast is being recorded, a lot of us acknowledge that that was not going to happen a lot earlier in the month of September. For me, it was after the three consecutive losses in San Diego, followed up with the three-game sweep against the Chicago Cubs. That, that to me, told me everything I needed to know about where the Giants were headed for the remainder of the season. And at this point, we know that this team is going to finish at or around 500 for the second straight year. So before I start this podcast and really get into the meat of the episode, I kind of want to set the expectations for what I want to do here. And that is discuss where the Giants are within the context of a few different things. And that is within the context of Major League Baseball, within the context of the National League West, where they stand in their own division, and where they stand in their own market in the Bay Area, going up against the Golden State Warriors and the San Francisco 49ers, and why that matters. I know that there are people on here who probably just here for baseball commentary, and that's great. I am thoroughly excited to welcome you aboard, have you listen to this show, and I will tell you why at the end we've still got to sneak in a little bit of 49ers, a little bit of Golden State Warriors, and why that matters for where the Giants are right now and where they are headed. I promise, though, we will stick mostly to baseball. We will also talk about the status of Giants president of baseball operations, Farhan Zaidi. Manager Gabe Kapler put their work, their resumes into context up against other people in their positions, whether it's chief baseball executives around the sport, managers around the game, and talk about how they kind of fit in to the broader scheme and help you ultimately reach a conclusion on the big changes that the Giants should make. Because I think that Logan Webb, when he spoke after Monday's victory, he didn't just speak for the rest of his teammates. He spoke for a fan base, and no one is more invested in the future of the San Francisco Giants right now than Logan Webb, because he is the pitcher who signed the five-year, $90 million contract at the outset of this season to be the ace, to be the anchor, to be the leader of this Giants team. And as I mentioned, either in last episode or the last time I was on KMBR, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm totally forgetting when I mentioned this, but I've said this. Logan Webb hates losing. There are people who've come through the Giants clubhouse in the past who love winning. There are people like Madison Bumgarner, who I think was just one of the best winners that the Giants have ever had. But Logan Webb really reminds me of Buster Posey because Posey despised losing. You could tell it took every ounce of him to even stand in front of his locker and give a post-game interview when the Giants lost. Even if Posey went three for four and the Giants lost seven, six, and he played well, he did not want to talk. Even though he knew it was his his duty as the leader of the team, leader of the clubhouse, to speak to reporters, break down the game, give insight to fans, 
tell them what they wanted to know about the game, it just crushed him to be doing so after a Giants loss, which is why I think the 2017, 2018, 2019 seasons were so hard for Buster. Because not only was he in an incredible amount of physical pain, of course, he goes through, has the operation to fix his hip at the end of the 2018 season, but he comes back and he's not quite himself. The Giants aren't the version of the Giants that fans got accustomed to, that Buster got accustomed to in 2010, 2012, and 2014. And that's what made 2021 so meaningful for Buster. It's why I think he was comfortable retiring. And I think, look, obviously he was dealing with the injuries, dealing with the fatigue, the exhaustion that came from playing a position that maybe his body wasn't well suited to play. If you look at catchers around the league and you look at Buster Posey, he's not exactly the prototypical catcher. But he put his heart and soul into that 2021 season. The Giants won 107 games. They left it all out on the field against a 106-win Dodger team in the NLDS. I think that that is one of the reasons Buster felt comfortable walking away. And when he walked away, comfortable turning things over to Logan Webb. He was adamant that this was going to be Logan Webb's team moving forward. And in 2022, 2023, the Giants have obviously disappointed. They have not lived up to their own expectations. They've not lived up to the expectations of any of us outside the organization who followed this team, who analyzed this team. For those of you who are there supporting this team in person at Oracle Park, it's been a major letdown. But Logan Webb himself has not been a part of this. Logan Webb is clearly the biggest building block for the future the Giants have. And like I said, the person with the most at stake, Andrew Baggerly has written two back-to-back incredible articles in The Athletic about why Logan Webb is so invested and how he's looking at the future of this Giants organization right now. If you haven't read those, I would encourage you to do so. Bags has been all over the Giants in the past two weeks with great coverage, both of Logan Webb starts and about a myriad of issues that the team and the franchise are currently dealing with. And so with that all said, let's talk about where the Giants stand right now as we near the end of the 2023 season compared to the rest of Major League Baseball. Right now, obviously, it's the end of Farhan Zaidi's fifth year as the president of baseball operations. It's the end of Gabe Kapler, the manager's fourth year in the dugout for the Giants. You've got an ownership group that, by and large, compared to the rest of Major League Baseball, is willing to spend money. The Giants' opening day payroll, I think, was something like $189 million. That's not toward the bottom. They're not the Oakland A's. They're not the Pittsburgh Pirates. They're not the exciting young Cincinnati Reds who really didn't have much money tied up outside of Joey Votto this season. This is a Giants ownership group that, while I have been extremely critical of them and extremely critical of Greg Johnson in his position as chairman, believing that they could spend more, they will spend to a certain point. It's also a fan base that is willing, by and large, to go to games. Giants fans show up, whether it's 22, 24, 26,000 people on a weeknight, their attendance is generally better than a lot of other teams in Major League Baseball. And a lot of that has to do with their waterfront ballpark. It is still one of the best places, maybe the best place to catch a game in baseball. But clearly, both on the ownership side and the fan interest side. I've talked a lot about this on recent episodes of The Kerry Crowley Show. Something is amiss right now, and that is ownership is willing to spend up to a certain point, but the ballpark isn't full, so they're not willing to go all the way in, surpass the luxury tax threshold, spend into the 200 millions, make this team a lot more competitive than it currently is by bringing in high-priced talent. That's not to say that they haven't pursued high-priced talent, 
but you really only get credit for the talent that you bring in. And this offseason, the Giants, obviously the deal with Correa falls through. They bring in Mitch Haniger, Michael Conforto, Ross Stripling, Taylor Rogers, Sean Manaya. The payroll at the end of the day is what it is. They were not going above that. And as a result, I think fans looked at this roster and by and large were willing to say, hmm, I'll go to some games, but not a ton of games because this isn't the most compelling product. This isn't the most entertaining team right now. So you've got a fan base that in the past, ever since Oracle Park opened back in the year 2000, it has shown, it has proven, you look at the numbers, it will show up for entertaining, compelling teams. This 2023 version of the San Francisco Giants does not fall into that category. So you've got an ownership group that seems willing to spend if fans are willing to show up, but you've got a fan base that seems willing to show up only if ownership spends and makes the product more entertaining. Creates quite a conundrum, doesn't it? So let's talk about how this Giants team at the end of 2023 compares to the rest of Major League Baseball. They're in the top half of payrolls in the major leagues, but it's a payroll that I don't know, looking into this offseason with so much money coming off the books, we can say that it will definitively go up. We haven't heard Chairman Greg Johnson come out and say that the Giants will spend more money next season to field a more compelling, more entertaining, and bottom line, more competitive product, which is what every fan wants to hear. We have not yet heard that. And so there are no strong indications, in my opinion, that the payroll will surge from 189, 190 million into the 200s, which is where I think it ought to be for the Giants to be competitive. You think about the San Diego Padres, Peter Seidler, their owner has recently indicated that the payroll will come down. The payroll's coming down to about 200 million. And so the Giants are in a position where they could pass the Padres in terms of their financials, their expenditures. And I think that this is an offseason, as Logan Webb has said, calls for big change. Now, what I want to do as we paint this picture, I don't want to give my personal opinion on whether Farhan Zaidi and Gabe Kapler should be back in their roles with the San Francisco Giants. What I want to do is present the information that helps you come to a conclusion about that type of a decision. So we're going to continue to do that this right now with talking about the rest of the league and kind of placing the Giants into bigger picture context. So the Giants were one of the few teams across Major League Baseball, despite all of the new rules that made the game, in my opinion, and the opinion of a lot of fans, more exciting, to have their attendance slip a little bit. Attendance declined this year, and while the rest of baseball celebrated these rule changes, the Giants weren't one of the teams that really took advantage. You look at the second half of the season, is anyone outside of Tyro Estrada a threat to steal a base? You look at the numbers, clearly not. And so that is an issue that the Giants have had this year. In a year where Major League Baseball encouraged base stealing with the larger bases, with the pitch clock, it just wasn't happening for the Giants. They did not evolve as I think many people thought they should have. And so that has hurt them from an entertainment standpoint. It's hurt them from putting a more compelling product on the field and ultimately helping them become a more interesting, entertaining team. And so with that said, the Giants have a lot of money coming off the books and they have this emerging core. You look at Patrick Bailey, Kyle Harrison, Marco Luciano, Tyler Fitzgerald, all these young kids. I could throw Elliot Ramos and Casey Schmidt into the group. This emerging young core that ultimately is going to determine the future of this franchise. I think that Logan Webb is an obvious building block and he will play a significant role in charting the future of Giants baseball. But regardless of whether the Giants are successful in attracting a big fish this offseason through free agency or a trade, which might be the most likely route to getting a star to San Francisco, 
The success of this franchise is going to depend on the kids in the farm system who've come up and either A, made their major league debuts this season, or B, are on the precipice of making their major league debuts early in the 2024 season. There's a group, Carson Wisenhunt, Vaughn Brown, that I think could really impact this 2024 roster. Now, with all that said, they're going to need help from the outside. So the Giants have a farm system that right now is in good enough shape that they could trade prospects from it and acquire major league talent. They've got a ton of money coming off the books, so they have money to spend this offseason. By all accounts, you know, you look at odds for this team to sign Shohei Otani, you look at odds for this team to trade for Mike Trout or potentially even acquire Juan Soto if the Padres made him available, the Giants should be among the most aggressive teams this offseason. And if you listen to Logan Webb, who's kind of serving as the moral compass right now for this franchise, I think that they should be among the most aggressive teams this offseason. I think it's very apparent that the Giants are in a position where you've got this emerging wave of young talent, you've got payroll coming off the books, and a lot of free agents who will ultimately go elsewhere, and Jock Peterson, who's the most expensive player on the Giants roster this year, I don't anticipate he will be back. Brandon Crawford was making $16 million. If he comes back, he will certainly not be coming back at that kind of a salary. And so the Giants are in a position where they can supplement this emerging young core with talent from the outside. And by and large, that's a good position to be in compared to other teams across Major League Baseball. When you've got a young wave coming up that you have confidence in, and when you've got money to spend, typically things go well. So that's in the context of all 30 teams. That's putting the Giants among the non-playoff teams this year who are a disappointment, who are already looking ahead to 2024, and that's saying, okay, in theory, they should position themselves to be better. Now, will they? That's another question that we'll tackle at a different date. How do the Giants compare, though, to the four other teams in their division, in the NOS? Because while you're not facing your own teams in your division 19 times a season anymore, you still have to beat them. You still have to play them 13 times. You still have to finish in front of them or near them in the standings to have a chance to make the postseason. I think we can all agree the drought has been too long. 10 years, which is what it will be next season, is way too long of a drought to go without winning a playoff series, which is exactly where the Giants are at. They made the playoffs in 2016, they made the playoffs in 2021, but they did not get out of the divisional round. That is a problem. It's a problem that absolutely, in my opinion, must be rectified. The Dodgers, always competitive. You can count on them to be at or near the top of the National League West. I think, what, is it 10 of the last 11 titles save for 2021, 11 of the last 12? Ultimately, does not matter. They own the NL West. Their core may not be as good as it once was, that young emerging core, but when you supplement it with Mookie Betts from the outside, Freddie Freeman from the outside, and those guys become part of your core, you become awful tough to beat. Giants also have to contend with the young, athletic Arizona Diamondbacks. And if you watched the series that I watched at Chase Field just two weeks ago, you would know that the Giants are playing from a talent and athleticism, in particular, an athleticism deficiency against the Arizona Diamondbacks. That's a franchise led by Mike Hazen, who's a very strong decision maker, baseball executive who's widely regarded as one of the better, better, more creative ones in Major League Baseball. That's a team that I think you watch over the next few seasons. And will they spend like other teams? Maybe not. But with the young core that they have, Corbin Carroll, who should be an MVP candidate next season, it's a group that's going to be really tough. And then you've got the Padres, who are kind of the mystery in all of this. The Padres, 
just floundered this season. <laughs> no doubt about it. I thought it was fun to watch from the outside. If you were inside San Diego, if you're a Padres fan, that had to be the most miserable season that you've ever dealt with because expectations were incredibly high. Output was stunningly low and the Padres just failed. I mean, we're going to talk about this Giants season, how it was a failure. The Padres were a stunning, massive, catastrophic failure in every which way. And so they will cut their spending. But again, it's going to be cut to about $200 million. That's the report that's out there right now. Will the Giants spend that much? Do they have the talent they can bring in who will contend with the talent at the top of the Padres roster? We saw this season. The Giants oftentimes, in matchups with San Diego, struggled to have star power against their star power. The Padres stars often beat the Giants stars, and yes, they had that weird Mexico City series, but it's going to be difficult to keep San Diego down for long if they keep guys like Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis, Hassan Kim around. It's a fun, entertaining group, and it was fun to watch them lose this season, but I get the impression that they will be different next season. Even if they lose Blake Snell, even if they lose Josh Hader, I still think the Padres could be more competitive. And fortunately for the Giants, the Colorado Rockies exist. And that's probably all I have to say about the Colorado Rockies, who somehow had their worst season in franchise history, but it feels like they have the same season just about every season. They beat the Giants a few times at Coors Field. They spoil some of the fun, but by and large, that is a team that is rough to watch on a year-in, year-out basis. They will not be contending in the immediate future and I don't anticipate that they'll contend in the long-term future either. Clip this. Tell me if I'm wrong next season. But the Giants have emerging talent. They just lack the core pieces that the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Diamondbacks seem to have. So when you look at things from the broader context of Major League Baseball, looking at all 30 teams, Giants have this young core that could be really good, but is still a bit of a question mark. Then they have a lot of money that they can spend this offseason, but how much of it will they spend? That's also a bit of a question mark. So in terms of the greater portion of Major League Baseball, they're in a decent position, relatively strong position to where they should be contending for a wild card spot at the very minimum next season with the additions they bring in from the outside, with the improvement that I expect from this young core group that's exciting, that's a little more athletic, the Giants can lean on next year. But when you look at the division, that's when things become a little more problematic. You know, how do they stack up against the Dodgers? How do they stack up against the Diamondbacks? I don't think it's incredibly favorably. The Padres, it's anyone's guess. But again, that's a really tough team if they keep those core pieces in place. So for the Giants, it's about getting their core pieces. And that's just looking at the rosters. Now let's look at front offices because broader context, painting the picture of where the Giants stand and why 2024 is so important for this team, asking the question of how dire the circumstances are for this franchise, to do that in a responsible way, you have to look at the track record of this front office. And I'll start by saying this. When I was a beat writer, there were a few things that I just assumed to be true based off of traveling to other cities, based off of talking with other teams' fans at restaurants, outside ballparks. One of my favorite things to do was go to the bar after the game, you know, a hotel bar, you see fans in town wearing the other jerseys of teams. They see you wearing business clothes at midnight, uh, having a Coors Light, winding down, watching whatever random college football game is on in late August or September. And you start asking questions of each other. And most fans who are at these games a, hate their bullpens, B, hate their managers, C, think their front offices should be fired and you should bring in someone from the outside and should be improved. It's just true that like 80 to 90% of fan bases always believe that. 
And so I say that not to say that, you know, Giants fans are being unreasonable in their criticisms of Farhan Zaidi. I think there are absolutely valid criticisms, and I've touched on them throughout these episodes that I've done so far, and I'll continue to touch on them right now in a moment. But I will say that you talk to fans around Major League Baseball, you ask them who the good front offices are, chances are they'll say the Braves, Alex Anthopoulos has done an incredible job, the Dodgers, who contend on a year-in, year-out basis, and the Tampa Bay Rays have a lot of respect in knowledgeable baseball fan circles. But if you're a Giants fan, I don't think you can really say, I love what the Tampa Bay Rays are doing and I want the Giants to emulate that because for the most part, the Giants have tried the opener strategy. They've tried the platoons. It's not favorable. Fans don't want to see that in San Francisco. I personally don't enjoy watching that type of game. I love watching Logan Webb go nine innings. I love watching the kids play all game and not get pinch hit for. That's what I want to see in 2024. That could be part of the bigger changes that we see. And so there are valuable and viable criticisms of Farhan Zaidi. But I will say this before I set the stage. He was asked when he signed on as the Giants president of baseball operations by ownership. Keep in mind, this is an ownership ask to thread an impossible needle. It's the same one that Jed Hoyer has to thread in Chicago with the Cubs that Heim Bloom failed to thread in Boston with the Red Sox before he was fired. And that is win and be competitive without rebuilding. So form as competitive a team as you can while ownership takes a step back from payroll standpoint and develop the young talent in your pipeline through the draft and international free agent signings that you're going to be able to rely on years down the road. And that's in order to build a sustainable winning product. And so Farhan comes on November 2018, and he's asked to win for Bruce Bochy in 2019. 2020, you throw it out the window. 2021, the Giants do win. But 2022, 2023, we start to see how hard that task is of winning without trading some of your best players like the Giants had the opportunity to potentially do in 2019 with maybe sending Madison Bumgarner or Will Smith elsewhere, maybe taking an offer on a Brandon Belt at that time. They just didn't have the opportunity to do that because they had to thread this needle of keeping fans in the ballpark, keeping a team entertained, giving Bochi an opportunity to win in his final season. And so it just became a very difficult task and it extends the wait to get these prospects to the big leagues because you're not acquiring prospects in mass at every trade deadline, which is what the rebuilding teams, the Astros, the Cubs, when they rebuilt, the Orioles in the midst of their rebuild, that's what they do at the trade deadline. When you've got a valuable reliever, the Mets this year, when you've got a Justin Verlander or Max Scherzer, you get the young talent in your system, you couple that with your draftees, your international free agent signings, and all of a sudden, you've got a bigger wave of prospects coming to the big leagues. So while it was an impossible ask, and while it's a really hard needle to thread, I don't think Farhan has helped himself in the last two years. And I say that because you look at the body of work and you look at the long-term contracts this Giants front office has extended. Logan Webb was absolutely the best move the Giants could have made. Five years, 90 million, that is a owner-friendly deal, a team-friendly deal. The Giants will look back on and say, man, that was a bargain. But you look at the other deals. Mitch Haniger, three for 43. You want that one back. Anthony DiSclefani, three for 39, 42. You want that one back. The other three-year deal they've given out. Tommy Lestella, he was DFA'd halfway through. You look at the multi-year deals that they've given out, which is the one-year plus the option deal that I just hate. I don't really understand it because if a guy's good, he's going to opt out. If he's bad, he's going to take your money again. I think you just pay a little more of a premium 
and you have them sign a one-year deal with higher money, right? I know that that's not how it works. I know it's not that easy, but that would be my preferable method of doing business. And so, again, really difficult business to do, but you look at those deals. Ross Stripling, he's probably going to opt in. Sean Manaya, now he's helped his case to opt out during the second half of the season. But again, he didn't fill the rotation spot during the first half of the season that you may have signed him to fill. Look, Alex Cobb on a three-year, $30 million deal, that worked out for the Giants. Michael Conforto, I don't think any of us can say that that was a great deal for this team, even if it's just one year, $18 million, he opts out. But it's just a mixed bag, and it proves how difficult it is to build your team through free agency, especially when you don't have stars, especially when you can't get someone to take all that money like the Giants failed to do last offseason with Aaron Judge and Carlos Correa, who initially agreed to take all that money. But you look at this front office's track record of handing out longer-term, bigger contracts, and a lot of them are questionable. And yes, they've gotten a Mike Yastrzemski. Yes, they've gotten a Tyro Estrada. Yes, they've gotten a Lamont Wade Jr. on the cheap. But again, these are not your two, three, and four hitters. Lamont's been great this season. The OBP, the OPS, very solid. Tyro Estrada, I think, will be in contention for the Willie Mack Award. Mike Yastrzemski, solid third or fourth outfielder. But you can't expect these guys to be your two, three, and four hitters. And this is the criticism that I think you can legitimately levy against this front office is while it's been an impossible needle to thread, the Giants haven't done enough in an effort to get those core players in the building from the outside. I think they could have been more creative last offseason with potential trades. I think they could have been more creative at this year's trade deadline. A lot of people have said to me, who would you go and get? It's not for me to decide. It's for you as a front office to be creative and go out and think outside the box, evaluate and analyze your own prospects, see who's doing well and see who you don't believe is going to have a major league career that other teams believe is going to have a major league career. You leverage your internal knowledge, you make deals and you hope for the best and the Giants just weren't creative enough at this year's deadline. And for the most part, in my opinion, I think it's a valid criticism that they haven't been creative enough throughout Farhan Zaidi's tenure. There have been moves that they've made that you can say, wow, I didn't see that coming or that worked out really well for them. But for the most part, I think this has lacked a little bit of the creativity that we maybe expected back when Farhan was initially introduced to that press conference when he said that no move was too small to not be worth a certain level of detail. It feels like the Giants have gotten to a point where some moves are just too small and they have not been able to capitalize. So that's where I stand with the front office. That's presenting how the front office compares to other groups around Major League Baseball. Look, I think that if Farhan were to be relieved of his duties in San Francisco, if Greg Johnson were to go back on his word, what he told Susan Slusser of the San Francisco Chronicle, by the way, did a great job of getting this out of Greg Johnson. If he were to go back on his word and say, Farhan's not coming back, where would you hire from? Because in all likelihood, you're going to hire someone who looks at baseball in a similar way and looks at baseball in a way that maybe you say two, three, four years down the road, the Giants will be competitive. But again, I think you need someone really creative who's thinking big. I think it might be better to just change your ways a little bit, take some big swings this offseason. You're on an expiring contract. If Farhan comes back, Maybe the aggressiveness is ramped up. Maybe the Giants take a few more chances, and maybe they're in better position to make the playoffs in 2024. I think that the aggressive moves that they have made 
have not paid off for them, but that's not to say that you don't make more aggressive moves in an effort to contend and satisfy this fan base that so desperately wants a compelling product. So that's where I think things stand. Look, most of Major League Baseball does not have a lot of confidence in their front offices to get the job done. And I don't think for the most part, the Giants fans that I hear from on a daily basis, there's a very loud, very vocal contingent of people who are fully defending Farhan, who fully believe that he's the right guy for the job. But I think a lot of people are in wait and see mode. And there's more people who would like to wait and see the Giants under a new president of baseball operation. So it's all for you to decide. I just want to present the proper context here, let you know that there are a lot of other fan bases who also feel that they should move on from their chief baseball executive, president of baseball operations, whatever each team calls it. So let's look at managers, because if you think fans hate front offices, check out what teams are saying about their managers. Uh, Bruce Bochy's bullpen management this year with the Texas Rangers has been absolutely panned by Rangers fans. Dusty Baker's lineups in Houston, and he may be among the last people still making his own lineup. They have drawn criticism by Astros fans. Dave Roberts, who has led his team to 10 of the last 11 NL West titles, Dodgers fans believe he can't win the big one, even though they did in 2020. There's a lot of people in LA who want to see the Dodgers move on from Dave Roberts. Look, Braves fans love Brian Snicker, but the guy pencils in the same guys in the lineup every single day. That's not that hard. That is not that hard. And that is, of course, having good ownership that's willing to invest in the team. That's having a really smart front office executive in Alex Anthopoulos, who has built that team in a really creative, really interesting way, has been aggressive through trades, aggressive through extensions, love what the Braves have done. But for the most part, they're a one-off. Most teams, most fan bases have criticisms, oftentimes valid, of the manager. A lot of people want the manager to be the fall guy. And typically, I say, take a look higher up in the organization. Gabe Kapler this season, when you looked at this roster at the outset of the regular season, did you realistically expect it to win more than 81 to 82 games? If you're one of the people like me who thinks it was an 85 to 86 win roster, then yes, I think your criticism of Gabe Kapler can be valid. But if you were out there saying, this is a 500 team, I think your criticism should be pointed more directly at the front office or ownership, who I don't think spent enough to make the Giants a compelling product this year. And so Farhan was given the budget. He did what he did with the budget. And I think we can all agree the Giants chose a lot of the wrong players this offseason. But again, not everything goes according to plan. Gabe Kapler had to play with who he had. And that is a really difficult thing. Now, does that absolve Gabe Kapler of blame? No. In fact, I think there are a lot of things that Gabe Kapler could have improved on this season. And I dealt with him for, what, three years when I covered him as a major league manager. And I think there are certain things that he does that really lend itself to individual players buying into the Giants game plan. I think getting Austin Slater on board with their pinch hit role for him, with the platoon role for him was really good. I think 2021, having Brandon Crawford and Brandon Belt and Buster Posey understand that taking days off would keep them fresher, that was a really difficult thing to do with guys who are accustomed to playing every day. But you look at their stat lines at the end of the regular season, and they all put up, save for Posey, career numbers. And it was a great year for Buster Posey. Now, the challenge, of course, is how do you go from getting players to buy in to properly motivating players? And that's where I think Gabe Kather might leave a little bit to be desired. And this is nothing to do with you know guys being unable to motivate themselves. And I think that there are valid criticism of that. If you read Andrew Baggerly in The Athletic Today, his Logan Webb story touched on Jock Peterson maybe not being the most motivated player when it comes to pregame 
pregame preparation. I think there are other guys in the Giants clubhouse who maybe tried to hold players accountable. But at the end of the day, I think a manager's job is to hold players accountable. And Gabe Kaffer might not be the most comfortable person doing that. He may feel that players should hold themselves accountable. He may feel that players owe it to themselves to police each other because they're all grown people in that clubhouse. And again, that's not for me to say that he's doing the wrong job. That's just for me to present you some of the information here that you can use to make your decision, your conclusion about where the Giants should go, what the Giants should do at the end of this season. I don't think that Gabe Kapler will ever change who he is as a person and suddenly be the loud voice who flips a spread in the clubhouse, who calls the team together and gives the rah-rah speech that we saw from Ryan Day of Ohio State, Deion Sanders, uh, Dan Lanning up in Oregon that we see from college football coaches. But I do think you can make a case that when you look at this 2023 Giants team, that they may have benefited from some of that tougher love. They may have benefited from someone with a little more fire, a little more conviction. And so if you want to go into 2024 and make big changes, maybe one of those changes is the manager. Maybe it's both the manager and the front office. Maybe it's just the ownership encouraging the front office to be more aggressive, spend more money, give them a larger payroll to work with, and then encouraging them to make trades and be comfortable dealing from your own farm system to acquire major league talent to put a more compelling product on the field together. But at the same time, I think that you look at the Giants' leadership and so many people want it to be black and white. So many people want to say either A, they should be fired because they clearly don't have this organization headed in the right direction, or B, give them one more year. Let's see them through. Let's see this work out because I can see the plan. And I think there's a lot of gray area here. And it's on the ownership group, on Greg Johnson to decide how much of that gray area he's comfortable working in. Is he willing to potentially upset the balance of power in San Francisco right now because he believes that even bolder action is needed than just going out and being more aggressive in terms of bumping up the payroll and acquiring major league talent using some of the Giants farm system to go and get that? Or is he willing to keep the people in their positions right now, keep Farhan, keep Gabe, and move forward thinking that that's going to be enough, that's okay. So I think that we can all draw our own conclusions, we can all make our own assumptions, but at the end of the day, we'll know real soon because the end of the season is approaching. The Giants are going to have to make a decision on the future of Farhan and Gabe. Greg Johnson, even though he has already come out and said it publicly that Farhan and Gabe will be coming back, he's going to have to do so again because he said that and then the Giants collapsed during the final two weeks of the season. So I've said how their front office compares. I've said how their manager compares to the rest of Major League Baseball. How does the Giants' ownership group compare? And I think that this is a really important point to consider when you're charting the future of this franchise. And this, in my opinion, I've talked about this in previous episodes, is where I think the Giants have fallen behind. I think that for years, Giants fans got accustomed to having a really aggressive ownership group. And Peter McGowan, who greenlit spending, and Bill Newcomb, who greenlit spending, and Charles Johnson, who was the Giants' chairman or in the position to greenlight spending when he was still in that role before the Giants transitioned to his son, Greg. And I don't know that Greg is as aggressive as his predecessors. I think that's hurting the Giants. I'm not sure this Giants ownership group is as committed to winning as the ownership groups of the past. I think they're committed to putting a competitive product on the field and committed to saying we want to be a playoff team every year. But where is that higher aspiration? Whereas we should be perennial perennial title contenders on a year-in, year-out basis. We should be the most entertaining product in Major League Baseball on a year-in, year-out basis. Those are words I have not heard from this ownership group. And I think that that, to me, leaves a little bit to be desired. So 
I'm not sure what the Giants are willing to spend and how that compares to what other teams are willing to spend next year, but I think it means that A, the Giants have to build from within, and B, this offseason, regardless of who's in charge, get every free agent contract right. You cannot have another year where it's Mitch Haniger, where it's Michael Conforto, where it's Ross Tripling, and they're letting the team down, and you've got Jock Peterson coming back on the qualifying offer. Of course, the Giants can't make that. But the big-ticket free agents, the guys who are making big money for the Giants this year, those were the people who were responsible, ultimately, in my opinion, for not living up to expectations. And so with all of that being said, let's go back to what Logan Webb said after his outstanding performance on Monday night. Big changes. Big changes are needed, and he speaks, in my opinion, for just about everyone, even people who do believe the Giants are headed in the right direction. I think they understand that big changes are needed to get the Giants to where every fan expects them to be, and that is back in the playoffs. So why does 2024 matter so much for this Giants franchise? Because you think about the emerging core, you think about the money coming off the books, it may not seem so dire when you think about those things and put the Giants in the broader context of Major League Baseball. Then you start to zero in a little. You think about this National League West. You think about how tough competition the Dodgers always are, how the Diamondbacks are young. They've got this emerging talent. How the Padres, while they floundered and failed this season, they still should be competitive next year, even if they take a step back from their spending. And the Rockies are the Rockies, but paints it in a little different context and shows you that the Giants are going to have to be more aggressive if they want to contend within their own division. But the reality is, for this Giants team, it needs to supplement its emerging core with talent from the outside, or this emerging core has to be generational. And I think that we know it can be really good. Kyle Harrison, Marco Luciano, Patrick Bailey, they all inspire hope. But are they Madison Bumgarner, Buster Posey, Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford? That, I think, is a question that's going to be really difficult for them to live up to, and it's why you have to get this offseason right. And why is this offseason the one that you have to get right? Well, either Farhan Zaidi or whoever is in charge, competitive windows don't last forever. And I think that whoever's in charge will know that. And this Giants team with the emerging young core that they've brought through the farm system over the last few years, they're looking to open a competitive window. But to get that open, it can't solely be on the kids. It can't solely be Marco Luciano hitting 30 home runs, Patrick Bailey being a Gold Glove Award winner, and Kyle Harrison emerging as a true number two. That alone is not going to make the Giants a 90-win team. You've got to bring in talent from the outside, and whether the Giants get a superstar or they don't, it's going to be incumbent on the front office and ownership group to do everything it can to make sure that there is not a repeat of 2022 and 2023. And I said at the outset of this episode that I wanted to touch on the San Francisco 49ers and the Golden State Warriors very briefly, for a moment, because this is mostly a baseball show. Kerry Crowley's show is mostly analyzing the San Francisco Giants. But I think I hear from a lot of people who are just baseball fans and they wonder, why aren't people more patient? Or I'll still root for the Giants no matter what, because I bleed orange and black. I love this team. I love this city. I love this ballpark. But I think it's important to think about the non-pure baseball fans, like the Warriors fans, the 49ers fans, the Giants fans, the people in Northern California who root for all three teams, because the Giants are playing in an attention economy. And the Golden State Warriors are a really good team just down the street. They're selling out the Chase Center. The San Francisco 49ers might win the Super Bowl this year. They only have, what, 10 home games a year? If you include the preseason and uh, you add the postseason, maybe you work it up to 11 or 12. But people are invested in the San Francisco 49ers. They want to go out and buy a jersey right now. 
uh, chances are you're gonna be buying a Purdy jersey, a McCaffrey jersey, an Ayuk jersey, someone on the 49ers and not someone on the San Francisco Giants because outside of Logan Webb, you don't know who's going to be here. And so I bring all of this up because chances are, unless the Giants make dramatic improvements and add star power, the focus and attention will be elsewhere. The willingness to watch every Giants game on TV or go to more Giants games next season, people might save that money, save that energy, and go to more Warriors games and go to more 49ers games or spend more on 49ers merchandise. Chances are weeknight games are never going to look the same as they did back in 2012, 2014, even 2016 when the Giants still had that attendance streak going. But we know that Giants fans will show up. Will it ever be 40,000 every weeknight? Probably not. The city's changed. Baseball's changed. So much has changed. And I think a lot of fans, right or not, have lost their investment in this franchise. And it's going to take two or three or four really good seasons to get them back. I think even when the Giants do win again, and maybe it's next year, maybe it's 10 years from now, maybe they're suffering through a stretch like it was from 74 to 85, which is one winning season. But I do think it will take consistent winning to fill Oracle Park again. And that's why the first step has to be next year. Because the 49ers are committed to being good. The Warriors are committed to being good. Giants are playing in an attention economy in the Bay Area. And if you want some of that attention, you absolutely have to put a more compelling, a more entertaining product on the field. Because otherwise, people are going to be pointing and laughing like they've done for much of the last two years. They're going to be saying, this is not a competitive franchise. This is not a franchise that's serious about winning, serious about spending in the way that other Bay Area teams are. So I know that the diehard baseball fans don't necessarily love the bandwagoners jumping on and needing to explain everything to them come August and come September, but those bandwagon fans are incredibly important to a franchise's bottom line, incredibly important to a franchise's popularity, and ultimately, they're filling the ballpark next August and September. That's going to give Greg Johnson and company more incentive to spend next year beyond 2024 and give the Giants reason to believe that they can sustain their success with this emerging young core. So it's a lot of words. It's a lot of time. I really appreciate everyone's investment in this show. I know it took a little longer than I planned to tonight, but I wanted to kind of paint a picture of where the Giants are and place this team, this franchise in a broader context around Major League Baseball. You know, not every team likes their front office, but the Giants front office also deserves criticism. Not every team likes their manager, but Gabe Kapler also deserves criticism for some of the decisions that he's made this season. The 49ers, the Warriors, they're really good. They're committed to spending. Are the Giants as serious about spending in this attention economy that they play in? There are people who will follow this team no matter what, but it's the bandwagoners, the people who are on the fringe, who want to be pulled in by star power, who want to be pulled in by entertainment. Those are the people, in my opinion, that you have to win over. And you win them over by putting a more compelling, a more competitive product on the field. And it starts in 2024. The Giants can't let another season slip away. And that's why, whether you keep Farhan or Gabe, whether you spend more or you don't, the bottom line is, Logan Webb said it, big changes must come to this franchise. I am Kerry Crowley. This is The Kerry Crowley Show. I want to thank everyone for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, tonight's episode, whenever you're listening, please like, subscribe on YouTube. Please give five stars on Spotify, wherever you're listening to this podcast. It makes a huge difference in helping spread the word. It makes these episodes a lot easier for me to do. And ultimately, I want to do a lot of them throughout the off season as we continue to chart the path forward for this Giants franchise. So 
I'm going to be taking a little bit of a break toward the end of this week. No episode on Thursday or Friday, but on Sunday, I'll be on KMBR doing a commentary on Brandon Crawford as he comes to potentially the end of his Giants tenure. I want to talk about what it meant to him to represent the Bay Area as I had the privilege of covering Brandon Crawford, thought that he was a sensational giant. And who knows, maybe he comes back next season, maybe he plays elsewhere. All I know is this is a good time at the end of this season to honor Brandon Crawford's legacy and to talk about what his legacy means to Giants fans, Bay Area sports fans, and the kids who grow up in the Bay Area dreaming of playing for the San Francisco Giants. So I'll be on KMBR on Monday ta- or on Sunday talking baseball, doing that ahead of the Giants showdown with the Dodgers in the final day of the regular season. And I'll be sure to drop that podcast or that commentary into the podcast feed so you can listen to it on Monday of next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, really appreciate your time on this edition of the Kerry Crowley Show.